So the theme that we've been busy with for the past few weeks has been adoption, it's been sonship, it's been hearing the voice of God as children of God, and not as slaves, not as people bound, not in religion, but truly as sons. <laughs> That's great. Just, you know, this is my happy place. If it thunders and it rains, I'm, I'm, I'm all cool. If you really can't hear me, just say, like, it's a no-go. You guys fine? Okay, great. So, um, a few days ago, my daughter, uh, she was outside on the, on the front lawn, and uh, mommy went outside to, to kick some ball with her. It was early in the morning. I was having breakfast at the table, and I sensed the Holy Spirit drop something in my heart, and I just wanted to test something. Just wanted to test something. She couldn't see me. She didn't know that I was sitting at the dining room table having breakfast. So she was probably where Danielle is because there was now still kind of a house left and then some grass. And she was busy with Inga kicking ball. And uh, the front door was open, so I decided to, to call her. Although she didn't know that I was looking at her, I could see her, but she didn't necessarily know where I was, where I was at. So I, I called her. It's like... Aliana, and I could see she's got this beautiful little face, and the, sometimes the expression is like she has that beautiful little uh, kind of reaction. I called it like Aliana, and she was like, and I, I did it again. It's like Aliana, and she looked around. And I said, "Scope the ball." She's like, and she kicked the ball, and I just started weeping. Because she just heard my voice. She didn't see where I was at. She didn't know that I saw her. She just heard my voice and she decided to respond and obey to her father's voice. And she went and she kicked the ball. And that was, that was enough to, to break my heart uh, freshly. And this morning, that's what I want to encourage us. That's what I want to amplify, if I can amplify it more than what it's busy at this moment. And that's sons of God and daughters, so non-gender, just the spirit of sonship, as we read of in Scripture. It's really at the core, it's, it's that. It's hearing the voice of God, it's hearing the voice of our Father and obeying His voice. That's really at the core of uh, what we're doing and title of the sermon is the effect of sonship. The effect of sonship. Three weeks ago, Rudy... Uh, preached on the power of sonship and it was really laying a foundation for for where we were going last week Pierce spoke on adopted and if you missed both of those listen to both of those just to get the fullness um, of where we've been but the power of sonship and and Rudy's laying a foundation of this is the gospel and last week adoption and the boohoo spirit that doesn't have any place in any of us yes no place for the boohoo spirit out in Jesus name uh, so this morning I want to kind of tag on to that. And what is the practical effect daily? And there's, there's many things, but the practical effect of sonship. Practical effect of sonship. We're going to look at something that's called, just cause and effect. That's something that we, kind of that's daily in our life. Something causes something, so there's an effect. So it's kind of a principle, kind of the first spoken word principle or the, the law of first mention, the law of last mention, something like that as well with the principle and effect. And on the board you'll see, whoops, 
on the board you'll see that the principle of cause and effect, something happened in the past that undergirds the current state of the situation. Currently we are having an effect of thunderstorms and rain outside. Let's make it super practical. The cause of it, uh, meteorology speaking, is instability. There was a trigger action and there's enough moisture in the atmosphere to actually cause a thunderstorm. That's the cause. And obviously God. Um, but I'm just going textbook. That's the cause. The effect, we can see it. That's the effect. Around us, things happen. There's a cause and there's an effect. There's a cause, there's an effect. The cause of our sonship, on the next slide, there's, there's more than that. But it's Ephesians 1 verse 1 to 10, Romans, 1, sorry, Romans 8 verse 1 to 16. That's the cause of our sonship. Paul's writing both of those letters, which makes it really exciting. He wrote Ephesians to the church in Ephesus to the saints, and he, re- and he wrote Romans. And in both of those, we have a great unpacking of this is the cause. This is what caused you to be a son. And in both of Ephesians and Romans, he uses the word adoption to sonship. Adoption to sonship. With the um, effect of having a specific inheritance. So sonship links with inheritance. And the the points that we're going to share is really a practical outflow of this is what I can be. This is who I am because of an inheritance that I have because of what Jesus has done. The, The cause has been done. That's our second Peter one. He has already given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. There's a cause. There's an effect. I wish I could read both of those passages to you, but for the sake of time, I'd rather put it there. But right at the end of Romans 8, we have um, that, that place where Paul's writing, now the sons of God are those that are led by the Spirit of God. The sons of God are those led by the Spirit of God. Because you have been adopted by Christ into the kingdom of God. You have received that spirit of sonship. So the, the moment that life now happens post, now I'm spirit led. After this moment, after me being adopted into the family, after me receiving the grace, the mercy of God, receiving the infilling of the Spirit, my life now as a son is Spirit-led. So the following four points that we're going to run through is purely the effect of, and there's way more than four points. But I grabbed the four points from um, Paul writing to Timothy. I don't think we can get more practical than that as a father writing to a son. So for homework, you can read 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. It's it's short letters. And Paul writes in 1 Timothy 1 verse 2, he says, To Timothy, my true son in the faith. Paul writing Ephesians, Paul writing Romans, Timothy being on mission with Paul from Acts 16, whenever that was, um, 2,000 odd years ago. No doubt that Timothy knew what Paul meant regarding sonship. No doubt. The time that Timothy spent with Paul, there's no doubt that Timothy knew. Paul preached a gospel, obviously, that included, this is a sonship thing. This is a sonship thing. This is not a performance thing. This is not a religion thing. This is a sonship thing. This is a spirit-led thing. No doubt. And because of that deposit that Paul had in Timothy, he went, my true son in the faith. He even went further to say, my child in the faith. NIV, ESV. So we're going to get a few points 
out of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy because of the father heart that Paul had over Timothy. Um, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians as well that there's many teachers, but there's few fathers. So this really comes from a father heart as Paul wrote to Timothy. We're going to read 2 Timothy 2 verse 1 to 7. And uh, on the screen, you'll see the following. You then, my child, or my son, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Who enlisted us into the kingdom of God? Jesus. He enlisted us. I'll make that point just now again. But he's the one that enlisted us. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Paul is writing as a father to a son. And he's saying, there's an entrusting that needs to happen, but for the entrusting that needs to happen, don't get entangled. Don't get entangled. And here's our point out of 2 Timothy 2. Sons are disciples, and they make disciples. That's the effect of sonship. He says, be strengthened by the grace of God. Now pass something on that you have heard from me. Here's Paul as a father figure to a Timothy. He says, what you heard from me, you pass on to other people also so that others may also know. It's a sonship thing. It's not a performance thing. It's not a religious thing. It's a sonship thing. Jesus started out with, with 12, one left and when he ascended to heaven, they, they, they added Matthias to that whole equation. But in Matthew 28 and in Acts chapter 1, made it clear that we have to make disciples. I, as Raymond, don't make disciples because Pierre asked me to. It sounds, sounds funny. But I think it's, it's needed for us to hear it in that context. I don't make disciples because Pierre asked me. I make disciples because I believe Jesus in his word bought me by the blood of his own, which was blameless and holy, into his kingdom. He gave me his spirit and he said, go and make disciples. That's why we make disciples. Sons make disciples. Genderless, sons and daughters make disciples. What hinders us from making disciples is that word entangled that we saw. What hinders us from entrusting this good news to other people is when we get entangled with things around us. And Paul is writing it to Timothy. He's like, don't get entangled. Sons, don't get their fingers in every pie trying to figure out everything. Here's the line. Jesus told us to make disciples because he has all authority and he's with us. That's why we make disciples. Do we as every nation have a value of discipleship? Yes. Why? Because Pastor Steve says so. Jesus says so. We honor Pastor Steve. We love him. We hold our values. Jesus says we make disciples. Sons make disciples because they are disciples. Our second script out of 2 Timothy 1 says the following. Again, Paul writing to a son. I thank God whom I serve 
as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. That's a father heart to a son. I'm praying for you night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Louis and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure it dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Sons make disciples because they are disciples. Secondly, sons live in freedom, not fear and bondage. There's a supporting text in 2 Timothy 2 verse 22. He says, now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Sons live in freedom, not fear and bondage. The first time the word fear was mentioned is in Genesis chapter 3, just after the fall of man. Just after the fall of man, for the first time fear was mentioned. So what causes fear? Sin. Sin causes fear. Primarily. Sin causes fear. And Paul's writing it to Timothy in, in two ways. And he says, first flee those youthful lusts. Pursue righteousness, peace, love, and joy out of a pure heart. Why? Because if you do not flee these things, if you go back to bondage, if you go back to sin, there's bondage. And sons shouldn't live in bondage. Because Jesus, what's the cause? Jesus has already paid. So flee those things and live as a son. Live in the effect of being free from bondage, being free from fear. So sin brings bondage and often, and I said sometimes, it's actually all the time. Satan really plays dirty. He, he really doesn't play fair. Things happen, injustices in our lives happens, which also sometimes causes bondage if we believe those moments. A few years ago, I've worked for a few bosses, if you will, and um, a boss in the, in the past gave me a phone call one day and the following words rang through the earpiece of the phone. I think I broke the phone after that. No, I didn't. And the words rang through the earpiece, which sounded like, or not sound like, sounded exactly like the following. Raymond, you are useless. It was actually quite funny because a week before he dubbed me as his best. But anyways, he had a bad day. Um, Raymond, you are useless. I didn't leave that job because of that moment. Um, a few months later... Another boss phoned me, and the moment I saw his name on my screen, what do you think Satan triggered? You fired. But it wasn't that at all. That had nothing to do with, I'm useless. But a moment happened, an injustice happened, and Satan tried to have inways into my life, bringing fear and bringing bondage. And that moment when the phone rang and I saw them, I'm like, oh, what did I do now? Like, two weeks ago I was useless. What's the problem now? No problem. Hey, what's happening? All well. Like, yes. Anything else? <laughs> there I realized, Lord, I need to deal with where Satan wanted to plant fear and bondage. Because I'm a son. I'm a son. Not because I say so, because Jesus says so. And the effect of my sonship is not to live in fear and bondage. The effect of my sonship is confidence, it's love, it's joy. Not because of arrogance, because if he paid the full price. I don't want to live in a cage. I'm free. 
I'm free. You free. No bondage. No fear. We move on to 2 Corinthians as a supporting script. And it says, now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. So the whole time we see this, um, this link between their spirit, their sonship, their freedom. Their spirit, their sonship, their freedom. The context of Second Corinthians though is that freedom from religion. Because it, it reads Moses and the veil and the old covenant, and then Paul introduces the new covenant. And then he goes, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. That's the context of this. Freedom to live as full sons and daughters, and not, okay, where's the letter of the law? In fact, he writes earlier on in chapter 3, that what the law wanted to bring, I was dead. I was just ink. But here comes the Spirit. And in the Spirit, there's freedom. First Timothy 1, 3-5 to as we move on to, to the third point, Paul is writing as a father to his son, and he says, Just as I urged you upon my departure for Macedonia to remain on at Ephesus, so he's giving him a specific charge, that you would instruct certain people not to teach strange doctrines, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies, which give rise to useless speculation, rather than advance the plan of God, which is by faith. So I urge you now, but the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. Like, Raymond, what does that have to do with sonship? Paul's writing to Timothy, and he's leaving him at Ephesus to really take a stand in a specific environment. There were things happening in Ephesus which tried to either dilute the gospel or just make Jesus a way and not the way. False doctrines, etc., etc. Now Paul is giving it over to his son. And he's like, hey, you need to stand against what's happening. Here's us daily in our lives. Number three, sons set the culture. They don't follow culture. Sons and daughters set the culture. We don't blindly follow culture. Um, 2016... God gave us a specific word for how to do youth ministry um, here. And it was very much against what and how maybe many other people would like us to do it, or maybe how they would do it. But it was for us. This is how I want you to do it. We're going to set a culture of non-entertainment. We're entertain. Entertainment doesn't bring the gospel to people. And we're going to set a culture of authenticity. And it might have um, had to be that we need to strip away some of the things just to get down to the simplicity and the basics of the power of the gospel. That's where we had to kind of walk out. But we had to set that culture and not just follow culture. Years later only, test me started coming in of, thank you that you just keep to the main thing. Because in the moment, it doesn't always feel easy, let's be honest. When you stand for setting a kingdom culture, not just following what everybody else is doing. It, you, you sometimes feel it. It gets real. It hasn't been necessarily easy. But that's a culture that we decide we're going to set what God says that we're going to do. Our, uh, our music team, 
We had a specific word as well from the Lord, and he said, focus on your own songs and focus on every nation songs. That's, that's, that's the culture you want to set. Get songwriting up and going. That's what Jesus wants to do here in us right now. And I have to help the team not to write too many songs. <laughs> not that I do that. I, I can't keep up with editing songs. Like a, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> it, it, it just comes. Sometimes five a week. I'm like, oh. But the success is not singing five new songs on a Sunday. The success is, are we doing what God told us to do? Are we putting um, melodies to paper? Are we introducing it? Are we trusting that God wants to do in us what he said he wants to do in us? Because the culture might be just sing the top three of YouTube playlist. It might be a culture. But what does God want to do here? And then Paul said to Timothy, he's like, stand against whatever wants to steal that what God wants to do in Ephesus. And daily we do business, we do life, full-time vocational ministry, and as sons we go, we'll set the culture. We're not going to go with the culture. There's a cause, there's an effect. There was a culture that I had in my own life um, as a bachelor, which was just a, <laughs> it was actually quite funny, it's the life of worship, so I'll go in and out of my home and I'll pray out loud and I'll sing out loud and there's no one else, so I'll just fly on the floor, it's, it's me, it's me and God. And um, the moment you get married, it doesn't necessarily have to change, but you might have to tweak a few things because now there's someone else as well. And the moment kids come, you have to change it again. But I was lying in bed, like week, one week out of, of marriage, I was lying in bed and because of a culture. And I was like, thank you, Jesus, for his dreams and visions tonight. And I'm just so excited to hear your voice as I sleep. And Inga was like, what are you doing? I'm like, oops. It's like, no. I'm just speaking to Jesus. And she's like, you tell Jesus, I say you can go speak in the spare room. <laughs> Not that she minded hearing God's voice. That was, that was the culture. The culture was said, I speak to God. I want dreams. I want visions. He's like, I want to sleep. Just tell Jesus to go speak in the other room, please. <laughs> I love my wife. And she also hears the Lord's voice. That's just a funny joke. Stand for your culture, men. Don't let your... No, I'm, jo I'm joking. <laughs> Here's a, a few current cultures that we see around us. Cool, you can go one, two, three. Awesome. Self-centered consumerism, information dependence, and time-sensitive and production-oriented. The reason for pop culture, this is not pop culture going like beats that's popular culture uh, but they call it pop culture and that's really mass media influencing us for a specific reason that is to get you to believe what they say that's pop culture abbreviation for popular culture and that's from a 30-year ministry person it's like that's what they see as the main cause and i'm going to go that stole from being effective sons of God in the kingdom. He dubbed it as what made his discipleship difficult is because they forgot. They forgot to bring this into their discipleship. Hey, we need to remember that although we're spending time in the word of God and we're pointing you to Jesus, please be aware of. They're trying to make you self-centered. They're trying to make you info-dependent. They're trying to steal your time and being production. Like, go, go, go. Come on, Barry. You can do it. Instead of... I'm a son. I'm a human being, not a human doing. This week we had a global Evanation music call 
And the director of our Evanation Global Music, Pastor Justin Gray, his main concern, not for Evanation music, just church, his main concern when it comes to music, media. We just too quickly get sucked into media. And he goes, guys, sing your own songs. Focus on what God is doing in your context, because together we go. His main concern, and that comes from a very apostolic angle. His main concern. So we want to go from Paul that wrote to Timothy. Then follow culture. Set the culture. Because we sons, we daughters. Romans 12, verse 1 to 2. Paul uses a strong word, I appeal. I appeal. I haven't watched TV in a while, but uh, everybody knows that moment where the bowler comes in and he launches the ball, obviously, to the batsman. And the batsman, uh, obviously, he misses and it hits his pad. And he turns around, the bowler, with an umpire staying and he's like, Oh, He's appealing for a leg before wicket. Now, I've never seen a bowler, as he launches that ball and as it hits the batsman's pad, he turns around and he's like, Ump. What do you think? Uh, his legs were there. There's the wickets. Let's quickly bring our signs in. Um, yes, no. What do you? Uh, yes, no. Maybe. He doesn't do that. He wants that wicket. Hey! Woo! Did you see? Paul's going. I appeal, brothers. Why? God was merciful by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by tasting you may discern what the will of God is, his good, acceptable, and perfect will. The reason why I am convicted freshly because of Romans 12, it says the following. If we follow culture, we won't be able to discern God's will. And if church can't discern God's will, we're in big trouble. Because as sons and as daughters, because of what Jesus has done, that's our lives, is to do the will of God. That's wisdom, to do the will of God. That's obedience, that's worship. Raymond, my son, here's my will. I'm, I'm battling to figure out your will because I'm half, one leg here, one leg here. And he's going, don't, don't be conformed, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Here's my will, my son, you walk there. As sons, we have that blessing, a blessing to walk in the will of God. It might not be easy. It might come with opinion, but that's the obedience blessing of being a son and a daughter. Here's my will. And we can't discern God's will if we one step there, or rather one foot there, another foot here. Last scripture, going to the last point. Second Timothy 3.16, and this is a little bit more, going into 4, verse 1 to 5. Um, Paul's writing, he says, All scripture is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you, again that appeal of Paul, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, he's telling Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. If people like it or people don't like it, that's that context of that season. Not preach it in rain and sunshine. If people want to hear it, if they don't want to hear it, reprove, rebuke, exhort 
with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Paul is writing to a son in the faith. What does that have to do with us? I think the following. Sons live out of conviction and values, not opinions and aspirational values. Many people want that. They, they might say this. They might say that just to suit themselves. That's a nice opinion. I'm going to put that in my backpack. He's going, you live on conviction. Here's the word of God. You preach the word. If people want to hear it, if they don't want to hear it, you preach the word. In season, out of season. You rebuke, you love, you teach. Here's God's word. Because all scriptures God breathed. And fall for the opinions. And fall for the aspirational values. Go conviction and go value. This past week, uh, the intentional guys are, are busy with leadership 215. And all three of them had me in tears because of exactly the same statement that the Holy Spirit spoke to them about in their module of leadership 215. Uh, leadership 215 is... It's an aviation global minimum theological standard if you want to be in ministry. Um, and they're doing leadership 215, and they come back with the following. All three of them had this statement stand out for them. And I want to apply it to us this morning as well. And the statement is something as follows. We never sacrifice family on the altar of temporary ministry success. Because of a value that we have as aviation and we... Because Jesus has a value on family. Uh, we never sacrifice family on the, ministry, on the altar of temporary, temporary ministry success. Not all of us are in full-time vocational ministry. So we can add, let's not sacrifice our families on the altar of temporary business success. And the reason why that had me in tears, where's Tian? He's not there. He had the fullness. Is <laughs> because of the following. It's a phenomenal statement. But it only becomes a conviction if it's visible in our lives. Information, illumination, transformation, demonstration, revelation. It's a strong statement. And it might just, for me, stay a statement. For me, Raymond, if I don't, Lord, show me. Show me where my, me as Raymond, where's my dangers? When it comes to ministry and family, how easy it is to put my family on the altar to go, that's cool. There's, there's another thing, there's another thing, there's another thing, there's another thing. She'll understand, she's got the Holy Spirit. We live out of conviction, we live out of value. Not one day when I will, then I will uh, prioritize family. Jesus exists with God the Father and the Holy Spirit as a triune, fully functional, relational triune God. He exists within relationship and intimacy. And for us to live out of conviction and value means because of Him in us as sons, we can do the same. Because opinion quickly pulls you to the side. What will people think if I can't make it? And what it helps is if we don't disciple people into ourselves, that really helps. Because if you disciple people into yourself, they'll always need you. And if Raymond can't be there, if Pierre can't be there, then 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 our families will suffer. But if we, like Paul, going to Timothy, what you heard from me, 
pass on so that others can also hear the gospel. We go, hey, you are beautiful. The Holy Spirit is in you. Let's stand up as church and enter the mission field together. Way bigger impact. Way bigger impact. Because that's truly our role is to equip the saints to do the good work. Us as sons and as daughters. And not just full-time vocational ministers. So I want to land with just five. You can just go one, two, three again. Five questions, three on the first slide. Sorry, it's six questions. Three on the other slide. This is for us to reflect. What would the effect in our city be if we align to God's plan of what the church should be? Just food for thought. What would that effect be? Because there's a cause and there's an effect. What would the effect in our city be if we obeyed God's call of being disciples and making disciples? What would our lives look like, so let's bring it closer to home, if we accepted, believed, confessed, and applied our freedom as sons? Not just falling for opinions and being led by pop culture. Last slide. What would the next generation of Christians look like if we lived with conviction and values, unflustered by worldly opinions? Because there's a next generation coming through. What would our families look like if we set a kingdom culture and not blindly follow pop culture? And lastly, what happens in the heart of Abba Father as we live as the sons he called us to be? And I'm reminded of the moment of Jesus. My food is to do the will of the Father. I think that's what happens in his heart. He smiles and he goes, that's what I came for. That's what I came.